I ran to my mother, hugged her, and I came back and to my room and I shut the door because you know it was just like this this feeling like oh my god, like my team finally did it, and I can finally go to school and tell everybody leave me alone. But the the greatest thing was after Game Seven, I went to a Catholic school and we had the nuns and everything, and they were probably gonna be upset if I didn't show up to school. My mom said, nope, nope, we're going to parade tomorrow. Get up early. We got up early. She planned it. She took us there, and it was just like to to have that experience with her for for a team that that she gave me. I, I can say it was just an amazing experience to, to experience that with her. What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 110 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I got to sit down with David Condi from Florida. David is a lifelong Mets fan who grew up in New York and developed a strong love for the Mets and the game, thanks to his mom taking him and his sister to Shea Stadium when they were kids. David is the co-founder and executive editor of Legends on Deck, which is a website that highlights baseball at all levels, but focuses primarily on the minor leagues. We discuss how important it is to let kids embrace baseball on their own, how close-knit the minor league baseball community is, and how to have a better chance at spotting the minor leaguer who will make it to the next level. This interview was a lot of fun. I love David's passion for the game and its players, so let's get right into it. Now, without further ado... Sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with David Condi. David, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List podcast. How are things in beautiful, sunshiny Florida? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, it has been extremely hot. I think the hottest that it's been since I've been here. Um, I was at a travel ball uh, game this weekend with my son and we really had to sit in the heat. And even every, all the parents are like, oh my, like you literally feel like there's no air, you can't breathe. I don't even know how the kids are doing it. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I live in paradise, can't complain. Um, it's always sunny. It, you know, the summertime, it rains all the time. So, you know, I don't like driving in the rain. So I, t- I tend to have to skirt around it, but you can because you can tell where it's coming from. <laughs> but other than that, it's, it's just, uh, it's been uh, a weird summer. Because I have my kids home, I you know, work from home and stuff, and it's been a little bit of a weird summer, but we've just been busy with the baseball. We actually just came back from a family trip of just, uh, I got to visit NASA for the first time. Very cool. Been here 17 cool. years, I've never seen that. Um, and then my son always watches YouTube videos, so fishing, so we took him over to the East Coast where he got to fish in some of the spots that he's been watching. So we didn't catch anything, but it was kind of cool to see the spots where he watches on TV all the time. Yeah, it sounds like a very busy summer, but a lot of fun stuff going on. I remember when I lived in Florida, you're talking about it raining every day. The weirdest thing for me was I was standing on the soccer field and I was a goalkeeper. So I was just standing there kind of watching the play. And out of my left ear, I heard rain, but I wasn't feeling anything. And I turned left and I looked and in the parking lot, there was this like torrential downpour but I never, I never got touched with any water. It was the weirdest, strangest thing that I had ever seen. And of course, you know, the more time I spent in Florida, the more I got used to that kind of weird stuff. But it's an anomaly. Like it's a, it's a part of being in Florida. I think. Yeah, and it's so weird too because um, you see it. Like you're right. You see it coming, you, or you're driving down the road. You see it ahead of you. And you're like, oh my mm-hmm. god, like am I gonna drive into that? But it's moving away. <laughs> and you're never you're like on two sides of the street, right? Like being in two states, like you have that line you're on two sides of it. Um, but then the only problem, like, between the difference of living in New York when it rained, we used to run out in the rain showers all the time. 
you can't do that here because the lightning comes out anyway and the lightning's hit the ground here. So it's like rain, go inside. Or thunder's to go inside. Like, yes. it can't be. Like, I'm very, like, cautious with the pool. I tell the kid, thunder, get out, get out, let's go because you, you never know when that thing's going to strike. Yeah, that's a good move. So I want to get started. Tell us how it is that you fell in love with the game of baseball. How did you get started with this great game? I remember a photo um, that I had. I was probably like two, three years old. If, I probably get the age where my mom would be upset, but and I had a Mets, I had a Mets hat on. Okay, that's the furthest I can remember of when the youngest I had a baseball cap on. Uh, I don't remember playing catch when I was a kid at that age or anything, but I do remember in the eighties. Um, my mom and dad had separated, so it was kind of me, my mom, and my sister, and I think she she was looking for a way to keep us happy. What I didn't understand is that why was she taking us to Met games? Because it was so bad at the time. <laughs> but we were able to. We had she had a family friend that was uh, knew a lot of the ball players. They always there was this group of people that just knew the guys and they sat right in the front. So we would always just go to the game. There was no one ever at the stadium. The stadium was empty in Shea Stadium back in the early eighties, and we would go sit there and watch baseball. And we would meet a lot of the ball players. I remember meeting. I remember the names. I met so many different guys. The ladies would know them and stuff. And little by little, I started to say, wow, this is, you know, I started to, to learn about the game, and then I started playing it. But I think my, the earliest age was maybe, well, I was born in 73, so maybe when I was nine, maybe a little less. But that's kind of when I really got into it, really understanding the game. And, of course, I'm a Mets fan, so I've been suffering with them, but it's okay. <laughs> so did you live closer to Shea Stadium than you did Yankee Stadium, or do you think it was just uh, kind of like – uh, it's cheap entertainment. It's easier to get the kids to Shea. I mean, are you a Mets fan by locale or just by default because that was where your mom took you? My mother is was a Mets fan. Okay. Um, okay. We were we lived in East New York, Brooklyn, so it was more closer to the borderline of Brooklyn and Queens. Um, so basically, we were only went to Mets. I, I knew about the Yankees. I had never been to a game. I probably watched some of it. All my friends are school Yankee fans because, you know, when a team is winning, the young kids don't know any better, right? They're just going to root for whoever they, they, they are told to root for. But I, I think my mom would take us to the game just to uh, – well, my point was I made before, just to kind of make us – like bring a smile to our face. You know, it was kind of tough around that time, and she just wanted to keep us happy. So we would just kind of like – the Mets kind of like – it was it became like our – my safe haven, that place of, of, of happiness. We just go to the games and we forget about everything. We just have fun for a day. So I think that's something that she just did. To kind of instill the love of baseball in me, to say, hey, this is what's gonna like. Don't worry about anything else. Just go play baseball. So that's all we did. We did the sandlot. We were outside all day long, all night long, just playing baseball. That's all I ever did when I was a kid. I love hearing stories like that because I had such a similar childhood. But it's it's incredible how much you know getting into a different environment like that and having something to focus on, like a game, a sport. Either you're watching it or you're playing it. It it really does like take you out of what else is going on in your world and you can you can really just zone in and be content to watch the game or play the game no exactly i it's it's it was uh you know one thing i i I do remember one thing if i can touch on this in 86 when when the mets were in the uh going you know going in the world series and when they were in the playoffs I remember um they got into the world series and at that time my mom i I believe that she had remarried and there, my stepfather and her are sitting in the living room, and I'm in my bedroom. And I'm like, don't one call, talk to me. Don't one say a word to me. I don't want to hear anything. I'm just, I have my pillow. I'm biting it. I'm just like, you know, just stressed out kid, hoping they'll win. And, and I remember 86, uh, game six of 86 World Series, 
And when they came back, I literally bawled out crying. I mean, the whole neighborhood, like, I mean, my, I ran to my mother, hugged her, and I came back and to my room, and I shut the door because, you know, it was just like this this feeling like, oh, my God, like my team finally did it, and I can finally go to school and tell everybody to leave me alone. Um, but the the greatest thing was after game seven, you know, I was in a, I went to a Catholic school, and we had the nuns and everything, and they were probably going to be upset if I didn't show up to school. My mom said, nope, nope, we're going to parade tomorrow. Get up early. We got up early. She planned it. She took us there, and it was just like to to have that experience with her for for a team that that she gave me. I I can say it was just an amazing experience to, to experience that with her at that game. I mean, I'm sorry at the at the parade. Sorry. The parade. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, what a fabric of connection between you and your mom. You know, your whole life probably. And are your kids Mets fans or are they baseball fans? Do they have a favorite team? My kids are probably. I guess growing up in Florida, we're stuck. We're in the we're in the area where the Rays are two hours away and the Marlins are two hours away. Yeah. So they were baseball fans because they played the game. Because Dad was a ba- I love baseball, but I think my oldest um, would say that he followed the Mets when he was younger because of me. But it, but my youngest is like he had no favorite ball player. He plays the game, but he has no connection to anybody. He, he, I guess to him he can care less. But I'm the only diehard Mets fan in the house. I have Mets stuff everywhere. <laughs> that can be a little hard, too, I guess, right? Like, if no one to commiserate with when they're doing what the Mets do sometimes and no one to celebrate with when they when they win games, big games, and make a deep run in the playoff. Exactly. The last World Series that we went to against the, um, against the Royals, we had a game one, we had a uh, barbecue outside. All these friends and everything showed up and everything. But the time the game time came, I was sitting there with my wife alone. I'm like, wait a second. I had a party so we can watch the game and everyone left. So I sat there miserable, not miserable, watching the game. I'm like, I can't believe this. I'm like a lonely meth fan in Florida. Like I have no one else around me to watch the game with me. <laughs> that surprises me that you can't you can't find any other Mets fans like in close proximity to you. I guess when well, I, I probably can. Yeah. I found I found some, but at that time, like my friends we thought my friends would hang out, watch a baseball game. They were like, it's the World Series. And they literally just all went home. I'm like, okay, I invited the wrong people to this. <laughs> yeah, like, thanks for the food, David. We'll see you later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so talk a little bit about how your kids kind of got started with the game then. Did they, I mean, is it something that they were just innately interested in or something that you kind of pushed them towards because you had all those fond memories of playing as a kid? How did they kind of, I mean, I know you're very involved in travel ball. You've got a crazy schedule. So I'm just kind of curious as to how you, you found your way there. So the funny thing is um, I never pushed my kids when they were kids. Like my oldest, when he was younger, I never really pushed baseball. I didn't say anything. He knows I watched it. He saw me watching it. So he would sit down. I would sit down with me. I actually, one of the coolest things I have to share this, um, so when City Field opened up that year, I believe it was in 2009. I always mess up my dates. So my mom, we experienced the 86 parade. And then when the Mets went back to the uh, playoffs against the Dodgers, we experienced the 88 um, playoffs. And we were there for the game when Social hit the home run off Gooden. And it was just me and my mom watching the game. So when my son was born, I always said, man, I would love to get my mom to, to – uh, get to a game with my son and my mom to have that experience. We had moved down to Florida in uh, 2006. So I made it when 2009 came, I made a trip to come visit. And my stepdad, I think he surprised me with tickets and everything. So we got to go back to city field with my, with my son, with my 
mom and experience City Field for the first time all together. And then my son in the seventh inning stands up and starts singing um, Take Me Out to the Ball Game with everybody. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he's singing the song. And he, would, and he went home singing the song. And he went, I think when we left, he, was, he fell asleep in my arms. And, and uh, it was so awesome to have that experience with him. And when we get home, it was maybe – I mean, I forget how old he was. He was at that time. He was, oh, man, four years old, five years old. And we get home, and we're in Target. And he literally comes around and has said, hey, Dad, check this out. Has a hat, a helmet on, and a bat. And he's swinging. I'm like, it's finally got it. We're finally going to go and play baseball. You figured it out. So I didn't ever want to force it on him. And then that started the T-ball at the YMCA. That started. I joined the league with him. And uh, he was coached by some other people. And then uh, when the, he had one minor league season, I forget, maybe he was like seven, eight years old. And then the next season I said, man, I really want to coach. And they actually said, yeah, we need a coach. And I was able to now start coaching him from like he was eight years old to like he was about uh, 13, 14. So I had that experience with him. And then my youngest, when he was just old enough to uh, play T-ball, we just put him in it. <laughs> it was like, might as well have him doing something. And I, and I met a, which he's good friends uh, John Rivera, he's, he was on our first episode of uh, Legends on Deck podcast. He was uh, a coach with us. He coached the team, and I was able to go and coach with him, and we stayed until my youngest stayed the whole way. So the the love of the game, I guess, is by their eyes. They 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 saw me loving the game so much that they wanted to be a part of it. I never forced it on them. I waited for them to say, hey, Dad, you know, I want to play the game because I never wanted to be like that dad and say, oh, you have to – I'm going to live through you. You know, I just wanted them to love it as well. Yeah. I think that's probably why you yourself fell in love with the game, too, is like your mom didn't necessarily push it on you, right? Like she took you to those games as an opportunity to like kind of get out of the house and do something fun as a family. And but you probably saw like her reaction to what was going on and just really enjoyed spending that time with her. And it sounds like that's kind of what your what your kids are feeling about the game and you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I remember when I was a kid. She was at a baseball game. It was the, probably one of the better games I had. I hit a ball off the fence. I probably had like three, four hits that day. I was catch. I, and I could just see her at the back of the fence, like so excited. And uh, it was. it's always been baseball with her. Like she's always, like she says, she's a, she's a big baseball fan. I mean, I don't know how much she knows about it today, but she'll go to a game with me if uh, if I ask. But, it, yeah, she instilled all that in me. And, and you're right, just kind of like allowing me to, to embrace the game myself. I allow my kids to embrace the game themselves. You know, and then, like I say, even to today, like my youngest still plays. My oldest wrestles in high school. He played for a little bit, but he kind of like didn't want to play anymore. Um, if my youngest decided that he didn't want to play, it might break my heart. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I just you got to love this game. You know, you got to have fun with it. I just wish he would sit down with me and watch a game because <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want to. My oldest would, but my, my little one, I'm like, man. I have so many more connections now. You need to sit down and watch the game with me and go with me to the stadiums and you know, I can you know talk to all these ballplayers. But I don't know. I guess this is this new generation. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe some of the new rules and like the faster pace of play and stuff like that might might capture his interest. So we'll see. But that's a that's that's always like the struggle is I really want you to like baseball as much as I do, but I know I can't like force it on you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because then they'll start hating it, and then they'll, you know, then then I'll have nothing. So I got to take a little bit I can get. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a that's a smart play right there. Talk a little bit about, I mean this this memory that you have of you and your son and your mom going to City Field for the first time in two thousand and nine. That it was its first year; it was open, and um, 
what was that like? I mean, you grew up in Shea Stadium, basically, which was, yeah. you know, people have their thoughts and ideas about that. But I mean, City Field is a, a beautiful ballpark. What was that like being there with both of them? Uh, it was it was like, I mean, you know, it's funny. I wrote an article about that day and I, and the MLB magazine published it. It was also the, 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 the feeling of being with my mom, being the, the one that taught me the game, that showed me the game. I don't remember if we ever played catch, but she just introduced the game to me. And and just to see the next generation of my son to sit there and we're all there just watching the game we love, watching the team that I love, the team that I grew up with. Um, it, it was just so it's just memorable. Um, the differences between Shea and City Field with Shea Stadium, you felt like you were on top of the ball players, and you felt like like you know if the fans, I mean the wave and everything, it was so loud that you couldn't hear yourself. It was just this exhilarating like rock concert all the time. And City Field felt a little distance, but it still was a, gr- a great way to like you can see great the, the the game from all areas of the stadium where Shea Stadium kind of you know you couldn't see if you if you sat away on top you couldn't see the right fielder <laughs> the left fielder you know catching the ball or anything but um it was just memorable to kind of be there with the person that taught me the game showed me the game and and then to share that part with my son and kind of pass it over to my son something that I I was able to fall in love with you know like I said he might have not fallen in love with he might might have fallen in love with it at that point and then he kind of fell out of love with it, and I have never, and I probably won't. But it was just awesome to uh, to have my mom there, you know, and it'd be that first time you walk into the new stadium of the team you grew up with, and we all get to walk in like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool, too, that, like, that's a new generation of the Mets, right, basically, because they're they're starting their new chapter and their new home, and then you're walking in three generations of the same family. It's just, like, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I wish I would have. I could have. I might. Have, I should have shared that with the Mets. Maybe they could have said, "Hey, you know, these are three generations of fans that have been with us for a long time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do it again, then. You know, just do it again. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit about you alluded to legends on deck. We've of course had had Brian on the show before, but you're really the mastermind and the the creator behind this entire website podcast and community realistically is what it is how did that idea come to be in 2009 um it was kind of boring out here nothing to do so i kind of joined our organization that started a football uh football team it was supposed to be indoor football ended up being semi-pro football but the ironic thing is some guy was kind of following us along and he had a football website and i went on his website i said hey you have a baseball side of it he goes yeah i'm always looking for writers so i said hey i'm i'm i want to join on and help you out and I write baseball. So it went from that and I was able to build up some um, articles and then I contacted Metsmerize online in uh, 2011, I think, or 12. And I said, hey, you know, I really like your website, but I'd like to write. Here's my articles. And he said, oh, these are great. So he brought me on and my whole idea was like, man, this guy follows the major leagues. He follows the Mets. I want to really be a part of it and i want to you know maybe i get to be some ball players and back then i was starstruck i was like oh man i want to just be around you know ball players and uh, he said david you live in florida i really think you need to focus on the minor leagues i'm like no 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 i want to be with the majors so he convinced me to be with the minor leagues i i followed the uh fort myers miracle at the time there was the miracle here and um st louis met st lucy mets were coming to town and I went to one game and I fell in love with it. I was in the press box. I knew I knew the owner, the general manager, Andrew Seymour, was a buddy of mine because he had helped me with some other things, other projects I had with the team. 
And he said, no problem. I covered the game and I fell in love with it. And that, and that just took off with Mesmerize. I was able to, in 2014, I got credentialed with Major League Baseball as a writer through the website. So I was able to cover the Mets for spring training. Um, I got to do a game at City Field on the field in the press box. I got to cover it. So I, I always say I made it to the to the uh, majors as a writer. And something that day, you know, it, it dawned on me. I'm, I'm in the press box. I'm watching the game. You can't really root for your home team. I see my kids. They were watching the game. My cousin had worked for the Mets at the time, so he got them tickets to watch the game. So I'm watching them, and I'm like, man. So I turned my computer off, ran downstairs, enjoyed the game with them. And then after all the interviews in the clubhouse, I mean, it's a great experience. I mean, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I mean, it would have been great to continue it. I started to think, man, when these guys leave the Mets and they go to other play to other teams, I really can't follow them because I'm writing for a Mets site. I said, what would it be to kind of like have a, a site that you could write about everybody, like I had with the other site, the first site I wrote with? So one of the writers that were on the uh, MetsMiners.net with me, um, I was the editor. He was one of my writers. John Ginder, I, I, I threw the idea. I said, hey, let's let's maybe try to do something on our own. And it was hard because um, – you know, Mesmerize Online opened a huge door for me, and I, and I could have stayed with them and probably done so much more, but it also was going to take me away from my kids and coaching, so I really wanted to be with my kids and spend time with them and watch them play baseball and not be, you know, traveling to games and not have them with me. So uh, it was a conversation that summer 2014, and, and John and I said, hey, let's just let's create this, let's start this. So I really had no idea where it was going to go. It was just going to be a blog, just so we can cover all these guys, and um we were stuck on the name on, on deck. We we're like, you know, we wanted it to be the next star in the game, the, the next superstar, somebody, you know, something to, to kind of, because we were focusing on the minor leagues. And I remember Jeter was uh, his last game and uh, before he retired and he hit that base hit to, to win the game. And I, and I said to myself, man, this guy is such a legend, man. He's such a, and I stopped and I said, legend. Oh my gosh. So I called John up. I said, legends on deck. That's the, the next legend on deck. You know, we just got, and we, he loved it. And we ran with that. And, um, you know, we created the logo that, that winter and we, we went full blast in 2015. And it was just a site just to give the opportunity to minor league ballplayers that no one knew about. Just write about them. Just follow the guys we wanted to follow and not worry about it. And John was the original guy that helped me start it. He ended up, you know, getting too busy with work. He, and actually, the funny thing is, we never met face to face. We only spoke on the phone. Yeah. We actually had a podcast recently where we actually got to meet face-to-face for the first time, which is so ironic for all the years we have the site. He's still around. You know, I, I always thank him for helping me start it. And uh, a lot of the um, – after he kind of stepped back, I kind of, you know, just had always ideas from different people but just kept it going. There was one year I, I kind of felt burnt out and I was going to end it. And uh, I think – Brian was with me at the time. Brian had joined on in 2017, and he said, no, nah, you know, we, we have to keep this going. And I remember why I started Resident on Deck. But for the guys that are unknown, for the writers that need a platform, and just to give people opportunity to just get their stuff out there, because we can't pay people. I wish I could, but if I can help somebody else to write an article, get their name out there, write an article about a ball player, then we've done that. With so many ball players, we've an article that the families love it, because that's probably the only article they would have written about them. And uh, yeah, it was it was just created just because I think more so than anything else, I wanted to be closer to my kids and I wanted to to be there for them and and um, you know be the dad and be their coach and and play catch with them. And I really didn't have that growing up, so I kind of wanted to give them that. 
And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I ended up starting Legends on Deck was to keep me home. So I think, you know, it was a, it was a great thing we did at the time. And of course now, so. Yeah, I love it because it's like, it's kind of like what you said about, you know, the families of these players love the fact that their kid is getting spotlighted, right? Like they've got articles floating around on the internet about them now, which is something that they might get to, right? If Obviously, if they keep progressing up the ladder and make it to the majors, then they'll probably have a lot of stuff like that out there. But I mean, you and I know how difficult it is to make it from single A ball all the way up to the majors and the percentage of, of people that actually do that. So I think that's one of the reasons that like minor league players love to sign is because, you know, it, it does, it makes them feel like they're that superstar rock star player. So I think it's pretty cool that one, you've created a site that kind of gives fans like me the opportunity to kind of like keep my radar on like who I want to watch as they come up through the system, but also like a space for the community of minor leaguers and their friends and family to, you know, to keep tabs on them and, and make them feel like the superstar athlete that they realistically are just for having made it to the minor leagues already. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I tell people all the time when I'm coaching kids or doing, I've done camps over here, any level of baseball you can excel to is, is a big accomplishment. If you only play high school, hey, you played high school ball. If you play college, hey, you know, if you get to pro ball, you're getting paid to play. In the, you know, it's it's an amazing thing just to get to that point. Not everyone makes it to the majors. I mean, it's a huge – I mean, you really either have to know the right people or just get fall, fall into the right organization. But it, it just felt so good when you write an article and you share it with the family and you get the mom to respond or the dad to respond. Thank you so much. You know, you really highlighted my son. Thank you. And, and that's a, that's something they can keep for life. You know, and the one thing that Brian helped me start, you know, Brian's idea was a few years ago was, hey, let's, let's just not focus on minor league baseball. Let's go amateur. Let's go college. Let's go high school. Let's give everyone the opportunity because we don't know when the next legend is going to be. You don't know where the next star is going to be. So it, you hear, you know, we've done even with the podcast when we started that, it it just gave so many people the opportunity to have something that they can have a memory. And if one day they're done with baseball, they can share with their kids and say, hey, this, look at what I did. You know, it, it's out there. You know, it's it's someone wrote something about me and, and here it is. And we, we hear so many stories like that. So many guys that are not in the game right now, we still have connections with. We become friends with and they say, thank you so much for always following me and supporting me because no one else will was when you were you never cared about the accolade you never cared the fact that I was a baseball player you became my friend you know you became family so you know I think Legends on Deck like you said is this huge community of people that just come together and just really just share about the game we love yeah I love it so much I think it's the it's it's a really really cool idea and I think not only for the ball players and their families but as you mentioned the writers and the content creators who they just want a space to to pour their hearts out a little bit about this game that is so incredible. So I, I love it. I think it's I think it's great. Thank you. It's good to know when people love 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 the site. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it puts a hard you, you know it's it's hard work you put into it. You have to keep up with it. It's not like you you know you don't shut the door at night. You know it's a twenty four hour thing. You know it's it's articles and stuff. But it's it's a hobby. I love it. I mean, if I ever made it into this huge. Com- organization type of thing we did a whole bunch of other things with it it would be great but nothing beats just a good wholesome article about uh, you know a a ball player out there just trying to make a name for himself it's important to remember why you started doing something in the first place too you know so like that was one of my favorite things that you said early on is like 
okay, let's pause a second. Let's remember what all of the meaning behind this was. So that that's neat to hear. Yeah, exactly. You know, what comes to mind if I ask you what your favorite baseball memory is? I have many of them. Obviously, I love the time with my kids and everything. But I think the game with my mom uh, in the '88 uh, playoffs, just sitting there with her. You know, she bought the tickets. She took me to the game. You know, the Mets didn't go as far as we wanted to go, but it it was just that she created that love of the game in me. Normally, you know, you hear about the dads create the love in the game, and I, you know, I had played softball with my dad when I got older with his police team, and oh, you know, and we, you know, we connected with baseball. He did. He drove me to my first um, practice when I got older, but she's the one that instilled the love. She's the one that opened the door and and allowed me to see what the game was about. And uh, I guess, you know, rooting for a team that really wasn't that good gets created a love. Because, listen, a true fan is a fan that stays with your team through thick and thin. Everyone can throw the Yankee 27 titles at me. They can say all this stuff. But at the end of the day, when my team wins, I'm the suffering fan that's going to really enjoy it. I just didn't jump on the bandwagon because they started winning. So it's okay to be uh, – it, it also teaches adversity. You just got to stick with it to the end. But yeah. um, but that game in '88 was uh, just sitting there with her and and um, having that that opportunity to, to uh, share that with her and always remember. And of course, it has to be. If I have to say, number two was the time we spent together at, at City Field. You know, just kind of like it was like the change of the guard. Like here, now it's your turn to to kind of teach the game to your son, and then your next, and then my younger son when he you know when he, after he was born. So she kind of was like handing it over to me at that point. So that's cool. I love that answer. That's such a it's such a good answer to have those two games like side by side because I mean w- again we just talked about it the 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 multi generation thing is like my favorite thing to hear about so I love that and I think what you said too about when the Mets do well and you've been with them for your entire life it's so much sweeter because you have experienced those low points right so like sometimes you got to know bad to feel good because otherwise Mm -hmm. otherwise you turn into an entitled fan who is like well my my team hasn't won a championship in two years so you know i'm just gonna (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been waiting i think uh wait as long i've been waiting as long as i've been with my wife so (laughs) it's uh uh, she's seen that she's seen the up and down in 2000 she saw the uh 2015 i mean she's seen it all and i'm just like every year she's like you think this is the year and i'm like i don't know <laughs> you get to the point where you see some even like last year they were good all year long then they fall apart so you see all that stuff and then i'm this year alone i just you know you you, you appreciate when they're doing well and when they're doing bad you just kind of say okay we'll just wait for them to do good again but yeah you really appreciate it when they actually do well because you like you know it's it's just been you know, you, you like you say, you see the ups and downs. You see the the craziness of it. You see all these ball players come through, and uh, you just hope for one last title before I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. What's left to check off on the baseball bucket list? Like, what's the number one thing that you you want to see, do, be there for, a person you want to meet? When I fell in love with minor league baseball, it was always you know I've been to major league ballparks on the East Coast, and it would be great to see some on the West Coast. But there's so many unique minor league teams out there, unique logos, unique things that they do. I would love to just take a road trip and just kind of like hit up, just and go to one state at a time and just hit up all the minor league stadiums there, and just just feel the you know there's some stadiums that are really packed, some that are not, but just feel the excitement of the fans and talk to the fans and kind of see you know what 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 is it that keeps them coming out to the ballpark and you know there's some small towns that that's all they have, they don't have anything else, so that would be great. And then the one thing. 
I guess the, the I'll, I'll say two things. The two people I like to meet. Carlos Carlos Beltran was always a fan of mine um, when he was with the Mets, and uh, there's a connection that he knows. He knows my brother's wife. Well, his wife was my brother's wife in Puerto Rico. They worked together, but we just never connected here when he was playing the game. Um, so I would love to maybe uh, connect with him, and then I would love to get Derek Jeter on one of the episodes of Legends on Deck because it wasn't. It, you know, he. You know, I own the rights to the name, so they can't take it from me. But because of him, uh, that one day watching him play, and I, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I'm a baseball fan, and I was always a Derek Jeter fan. And because of him watching the game, I mean, me watching him play, uh, I named the site after him. Um, we, I mean, the site's going almost eight years strong, and uh, I would love to just meet and sh- chat with him about that, and maybe get him on the podcast, of course. So yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it, man? Yeah, I love. I hadn't heard the the origin story behind the name. So I'm glad you shared that with us because that that's a cool, I know that that feeling where it's like, it's halfway there and you're like, man, it's it's blank on deck, something. And then it just comes to you like organically and you're like, oh my God, that's it. Like That's it. So that's a cool story. And maybe Derek, if you're listening, you know, reach out. <laughs> reach, out reach out to the both of us. I'm yeah. sure you like talk to him about his uh, time in baseball. We'd like to get him on the show too. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. One question I wanted to ask you. So you've been you've been covering the minor leagues now for I mean almost a decade, right? Like since you really kind of started transitioning that way. Do you feel like you're getting better at kind of figuring out or pinpointing like who is going to take it to the next level cuz of course there's shocks and surprises and you know kids that are expected to to spend a year in double A and then go on to the majors who just fizzle out and then there are kids who sign undrafted and make it to the major leagues. So do you feel like you're kind of getting a better understanding as to what it really takes to make it? It takes, yeah. I mean, I think people don't understand the day-by-day these guys go through. I mean, I volunteer sometimes with the Red Sox. I do some stuff with the English teacher with the Latin ball players, And, you know, you see the day-by-day, six in the morning, seven at night, every single day. You know, there's no breaks. This, this is what they have to do. They're so young, and they come here, and they, and you know, so they're trying to adapt. You have the American ball players who are adapting and trying to adapt, and you know, they think so many people who start playing pro ball, they think, oh, I'm going to the majors. If you don't have the heart, determination, if you don't have the drive, but even with that, it's also falling in the right organization. Like the to me, the Mets always. I always felt like the Mets didn't give those guys that truly deserved the opportunity mm-hmm. until it was just too late for them. It was always like a timing thing. But then you see some guys that really didn't maybe show the numbers or do anything. They go fall into another organization. They make it to the majors. And I've seen so many of my guys do that. But I think at the end of the day, anyone that's coming into pro ball or thinking about playing baseball is that you got to love this game. You got to you gotta accept the, the – the, you're always going to fail. I'm so sorry. Was it uh, seven out of ten times you're going to fail? And yeah. even it might look good in the, bat, in the batting. In the bat, your batting number might look great. But you know, you know, you didn't hit the ball the other seven times out of the three times you did. So you gotta accept failure and you just gotta keep pushing forward. And I think baseball is great with life. Like, you know, in, in an everyday job, you know, we're gonna go through adversity and failure. And if you don't keep pushing forward and keep trying to get better at, at it and try to improve yourself, you're gonna just fall to the wayside and be forgotten. And you're just not gonna be able to, you know, improve yourself or do anything. So I think baseball is just, you know, the things that these guys are going through, if you don't make it Hey, just have they have to have a backup plan, you know. You have to have something that's gonna be there if you know a college degree or something or just a job or something or get into coaching. 
Um, but it's it's very it's very difficult. I mean, out of the handful of the, not handful, the many many hundreds of guys that I know, I might know ten guys that made it to the majors, yeah. which is great yeah. to see that. But it it was a long long road for some of them. You know, I don't think there's many Bryce Hoppers in the world left. Maybe that kind of go up very quickly. It's just it's just a, it's a grind. It's a grind, and and maybe and we've done a lot of prospect on deck articles where we can kind of determine okay based on the trend but i also have that thing is i don't believe in not that i don't believe in the numbers the numbers only tell a certain story you know a guy can have horrible numbers in the minors but maybe it's because he's been working through some things all of a sudden it comes to the majors and, and it clicks everything clicks for everybody at a different time in their life you know you might have a guy that didn't do well when he first came up and all of a sudden five years later he's learned so much he's grown in the game and all of a sudden it clicks for him and it goes so when people always say oh he's struggling He's doing this, doing that. And then, you know, it's also mental. The game is mental. If you're not physically, mentally, like, okay that day, I can hit a 100 home runs off a pitcher and, and kill him. But if that day my mental state is not there, I'm not feeling well, I'm not doing anything that day. So I think, you know, the whole numbers thing that's in baseball right now is good for, I guess, just kind of gauging certain things, but it's not really the true – the true aspect of the game. It's just basically our, our mind, our, our, our physicalness. You know, how do we feel? How do, What are we doing that day? And I'm sure everybody can tell me that I'm wrong, but I've seen enough of it. <laughs> I've seen enough of it even with the kids to know that, you know, it's it's uh, you just got to be physically fit and wanting it. You got to want it. Yeah, I think there's so much truth to that. Like the analytical side of the game is obviously becoming more and more prominent every single day, it feels like. But I still think that, there are organizations and scouts within organizations particularly who have like a gut check, right? So like maybe the kids' numbers aren't what they should be in a in a given season or scenario or something. But I do feel like these old school guys who have been around and they've seen kids go up and down and eventually, you know, make make something of themselves in their career. I hope that there's advocation for those kids from the you know, the the front office standpoint, the recruitment and the uh, scouting departments as well to to give those kids a chance, because I think so much of it is, like you said, like a, a gut, like a, a grind, you know, a willingness to to work hard day in and day out, even if the rewards aren't right there necessarily. No, and, and, you know, the point to that is it's the point that you make on that is perfect, because I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, Michael Tucker, uh, play baseball. And we have conversations about this all the time, and it's it's funny, you know, is it exit velo or that that whole like I'm not into all that. I don't write about that stuff when I write. So that's probably why people look at my article. There's no no, I don't. To me, it doesn't matter. You can hit the ball so hard, and it goes up in the air, comes back, and gets caught. It does not make a difference what your velo was on that. It doesn't matter. It got caught. But then if you can hit the ball softly and drops in base hit, base hit, single, double. That gives your team more opportunity to win the game than if it's just you just hit a home run 500 feet and scored one run. Like when they when they bat G to first, I'm like, oh my god, that drives me crazy. Like <laughs> you know, like like maximize what you have. But it's just crazy the way the game is with the numbers and and like I have a kid on my team that I coach in now. He's 13 years old and I see it. I, I see the love of the game. I see the drive. He's gone. He came in last year in the big field for the first time. Wanted to catch. And he said, Coach, I want to try catching. I'm like, okay. And he became my second best catcher. Hmm. And now he's he's kind of practicing on the travel ball team with my son. And and you see it. And I told the, I told one of the coaches, watch out for him. 
And I think when you said that gut thing, that old school type of feel that you can see that there's something there. If, and I tell the kid all the time, if you love this game, I promise you, it'll break your heart, but you have the talent. You have something. There's something about you that's different. It's, it's the demeanor that the kids have. And he's not on his phone all the time, which is, I guess is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Unless, no unless he's watching baseball videos, and that's another thing. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. David, I've had a blast talking with you. This has been so much fun. I cannot thank you enough for making time during your busy week to to check in with us and chat baseball. If people want to find out more about Legends on Deck, if they want to find you know the site online or more about you, where are the best places to go to do that? So the main site is legendsondeck.com. Um, on there, we have a link to all of our pages. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook. We have YouTube page, and we have Spotify for the uh, for the podcast. We don't have TikTok. Um, Brian and I have just don't have time to make videos. <laughs> so... But all the other sites, you can basically just go to every one of our sites. If you go to any one of them, you can pretty much, uh, you know, get to the other site. We kind of link it all together. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed this. I can't thank you enough and um, just can't wait to keep my eye on on you guys and what you're doing over at Legends on Deck and see if see if some of these prospects kind of make their way up. Well, thank you for the time. I really enjoyed it. I think it's the first time I've been actually on a podcast, which is great. Hey. I don't I don't like the way I sound when I speak, but <laughs> but uh, I love what you're doing. I mean, I think your site is awesome. I keep meaning to get on it to kind of document my journey. Uh, but, you know, what you started is great. So uh, we always share about you. I always tell everybody I beat. I say, hey, you got a bucket list. You got to you got to listen to this <laughs> podcast. You got to get on the site. So I appreciate you having me and I appreciate you supporting Legends on Deck. You know, we did like you said, we're just trying to build a huge community of fans and a baseball, just baseball fans, just to get together, just love on the game and talk about the game and share the game because that keeps it alive for all these kids that are trying to come up. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to David Condi for joining us today and sharing those stories and memories. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site checking it out and sign up for a free membership. If you find yourself looking forward to the show each week, I have a huge favor to ask you and one that goes a long way. Please take a few seconds to rate and review the show in the podcast app of your choice. That really helps us grow the show and spread the word. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.